You're listening to The Professional Podcast, hosted by the Blue Collar Consulting Group. Hello again, everyone. This is Gary Roth, Blue Collar Consulting Group, uh, founder of that company, soldier in the Army, and I'm also the host of this podcast called The Professional Podcast. Now, what I wanted to get into tonight is probably something that you might consider to be somewhat controversial. You might have noticed it coming and going in the news. Uh, it is a it can be a political topic, um, but this is certainly not a political podcast. But what it is, is a this topic, the topic, we're going to get right into it. The topic is minimum wage. Minimum wage is a hot button issue for a lot of folks for a lot of different reasons. Now, I don't know where you sit on the issue, but let's be honest. Right now, the current minimum wage, federal minimum wage for non-exempt employees is $7.25 an hour. Now, that draws a lot of comments because it has not been increased in over in 10 years. The last increase was in 2009. And so wherever you sit on the issue, those are the facts, all right? little bit of background in the minimum wage remember minimum wage came into play like in the 30s okay with a lot of worker reforms the strength of the the labor unions were really gaining momentum and people were really starting to you know organize and request these things and for good reason i mean very hazardous working conditions you know brutal hours in some cases and so labor unions and then now the department of labor certainly has gone a long way in protecting workers, protecting working environments. Now, I've seen these protections. I've seen labor unions personally overstep their bounds. I've seen people, you know, uh, cause trouble because they're non-union. So it's, it's not really a fair thing. It's not really, uh, I mean, s certainly unions do a lot for workers, but they also do a lot of damage. And that's my personal opinion. If you tune off after that, that's fine. I get it. But at the same time, you know, we just got to get back to where, you know, unions step in when they're asked to step in, the government steps in when they're asked to step in, and then a lot of that rests on, you know, good good workmanship and, and doing the right thing as a business owner, doing the right thing as a worker, and then everybody comes out ahead. At least that's the goal. But anyway, minimum wage was designed to keep people from, you know, I don't know what, just going into in extreme poverty or something like that. Look, back in the day, right, uh, minimum wage was such that, you know, you had this money, you had this minimum wage, and you, you could live off of it, right? But you got to understand something. There weren't many government programs back when minimum wage first started. These days, minimum wage, probably you can't live off of it. But here's the thing. Like, you can get food stamps. You can get rent assistance. You can get disability pay. You can get freaking... Um, uh, what do I want to say, like health coverage through Medicaid and all these other things. Look, I'm not saying it's perfect and you're not going to be living off a mansion, but keep in mind, people, that people earlier in our country before the minimum wage, they starved to death, right? Like people were literally starving to death. And so I'm pretty sure you don't know anybody starving to death today. Now, I'm sorry if they don't get every single thing that they want all the time, but the government and the country and our standards of living now are incredibly better incomparable to the days before minimum wage came in so let's keep that in mind going forward that yes you cannot live off minimum wage but 
you do have a much better quality of life when you combine that minimum wage with all of the other government assistance programs out there on the planet okay let's let's be real let's keep it practical and let's let's be fair here so with that in mind let's look at the current situation all right there are a lot of folks fighting for a federal minimum wage of $15 all right uh, let me see here there is an article a story on cnbc.com that in July the House of Representatives passed a bill that would make the federal minimum wage $15 per hour now to be fair that bill did introduce a gradual increase uh, the Democrats see this as a major part of their economic platform however the Republican controlled Senate and the president has threatened to veto it if it if it comes through so even you know, it very it didn't really pass that strongly in the house uh, 231 to 199 that's that's not a real big margin and not only that it uh, it hikes it to 15 by 2025 so that's that's a little bit uh, I think most people would agree that's a pretty significant hike in a very short amount of time now one good thing that that it does do is take out the floor for uh, tipped workers so uh, one thing that I agree with I don't think that uh, tipped uh, earners should um, you know should have to pay be paid below minimum wage yes I'm aware that if their tips per hour do not equal minimum wage the employer is forced to pay that money now look I come from poverty so you know I've done service work before I know a lot of folks in the food service and bartending industry a couple of things going on no they don't report all of their tax or all of their cash uh, for as income they are getting a lot of money that they are not claiming as income on their taxes look I get it uh, that's obviously illegal but how in the world would you track it so if you removed that floor of the minimum wage they would be paid more but they would also pay more in taxes so you you see a little bit of that back um, and then you know it could change things in the service industry altogether maybe we get away from tipping maybe we get back down to just folks get a higher hourly wage look I don't know how that would turn but I also know that increasing that would be a good thing for that industry in my opinion now the other thing that you need to remember here is there are states and communities that have higher minimum wages than the federal minimum wage in fact more than half of the states have some type of higher minimum wage down here in good old Alabama they do not okay something you need to know about too. think about this it is the cost of living is vastly different across this country in California it is much more expensive to live than it is in Mississippi it is much more expensive to live in New York City than it is in Iowa okay people often forget that and we'll kind of dig into that in a little bit okay so what we're looking at here uh, and you know there's some other things there's a, there's a lot of exemptions okay when when the federal minimum wage uh, is discussed it's always discussed as non-exempt employees there are a crap load of exemptions all right there are exemptions for workers with disabilities there are workers exemption for workers under the age of 18 there are uh, exemptions for workers that are full-time students so there is a lot of stuff here that most people don't know 
that even if you were just to erase those floors, it would change things for tremendous numbers of people. So I would love to know, I kind of wish this was a call-in show, but I would love to know where you sit uh, on that spectrum. So let's talk about some of the supposed pros about a $15 nationwide minimum wage. And, And keep in mind, no state right now has a $15 minimum wage. My only thought on that might be Seattle. But we'll, we'll get in Seattle in just a second because they've done case study after case study that freaking place with very mixed results. So I think the highest right now is Washington State. As I'm looking at the chart here on the CNBC article, I think Massachusetts and Washington State each have, uh, excuse me, each have $12 minimum wages. Let me see here. I think that's about the highest. So $12 minimum wage. Think about this. You know, and I am not for, I do not support a $15 federal minimum wage. And here's why. I come from a little town called Boonville, Missouri, and I have property there. And I hope to retire there. You can rent an apartment in my hometown for a couple of hundred bucks, three or four hundred bucks, right? Which means you can go down to the local diner, get yourself a nice plate of food for six or seven or eight, maybe eight bucks, and be very happy, be very comfortable. And your workers there probably make six, seven, eight, nine bucks an hour like that. If you were to literally double the costs of their labor, what do you think would happen? What do you think would happen to that mom and pop shop, that mom and pop hardware store, that mom and pop shoe store? And everybody wants to go back to Main Street America, right? Everybody wants to go back to the little downtown areas. How do you expect? those shop owners to pay for that tell me that let's take a quick break we'll come right back with more on the 15 dollars federal minimum wage be right back you're listening to the professional podcast with gary roth you're listening to the professional podcast the best self-improvement podcast on the planet all right and we're back listen thanks for that quick break uh having a little bit of sponsorship certainly helps keep the lights on around here listen so we're, we're in on the $15 federal minimum wage thing. Let's talk about that. Let's explore it a little bit. Let me tell you a case study right here in Birmingham, Alabama. It's where I'm stationed in the Army. I go to lunch the other day. Look, I don't know about you guys. I blew up, or excuse me, I grew up poor, right? So I like Taco Bell. I don't care. Judge me all you want. I'm kidding, of course. But listen, I love Taco Bell. It's quick lunch, pretty decent food. It is what it is. You, you got it. I walk into Taco Bell. And I stand at the front counter, and I'm in uniform, which usually it is what it is. You know, I, it usually draws a lot of attention. I'm literally standing in the count, in front of the counter. There's a guy off to the side doing some stuff. There's some people mulling about in the back. And I stand there, and I stand there, and I stand there, and I stand there for over five minutes. I watched it on my phone. Five minutes. Till finally, I got so fed up that I walked over to the automated ordering kiosk and put my order in there. Another gentleman came in behind me and stood there for a couple of minutes. And as I'm, I'm waiting for my order, I tell him, I was like, hey, man, they're not paying attention up here. You might as well just order it on the kiosk. And so I don't want to use the automated station. I don't. I want to be, interact with a human being. I like to joke. I like to find out how their day is going. I'm a human being. I like to talk to human beings. But guess what? Every single time, a customer gets ignored, they go to the kiosk. Every single time 
They have trouble with the front counter for professionalism, communication skills, whatever. They're going to go to that kiosk. What happens when you double the cost of labor in order to maintain your same level of profit? You have to cut your staff by half. It's really quite simple. I'm not going to pay someone $15 an hour to ignore customers at the front counter when I can throw in a couple of kiosks and pay a little bit upfront cost and then that more than pays for it on the back end. A minimum wage employee is not the CEO of a company. They are typically a little bit lower on the skills ranking. Listen, that is not meant to be insulting. Do you know how many jobs I worked as a minimum wage employee? Many. But guess what? I was a teenager. I was a young person. I didn't accumulate a lot of skills. It was a job. I came in, I did the job, and I left, right? So I expected to make minimum wage because I was on the minimum end of the skill spectrum. For all of you that hear this podcast, if you are making minimum wage, you don't have to stay there. You can do things to increase your value to the company or to the world. And more on that later. But my point is simply this, is that if you increase the cost of labor this significantly, you are going to force automation, you are going to force employment cuts, and you're going to force, um, you, you know, either a, a price hike or other things that, are, that will negatively affect the flow of business. So check this out. There is an article on, uh, check it out. Uh, let's, oh man, I wish I could find the date on this thing. Okay, so if you look on the WashingtonPost.com, uh, back in June 26, 2017, they did an article, they published a study. Like I said earlier, Seattle, the city of Seattle, Washington, bumped their minimum wage up uh, several years ago, up to $15 an hour. Listen, it's a different story out there because the cost of living in Seattle is incredibly expensive. And so a $15 minimum wage hike out there wouldn't be as big of a shock as it would to a lot of the other parts of the country. And here's what they found out. And all of this is on there. It's uh, the title of this, a very credible new study on Seattle's $15 minimum wage has bad news for liberals. Guess what? So what they found out was that a lot of the hours had been cut. A lot of on the low wage earners were making less money because their hours were cut. And then they would go outside of the city to find work. Guess what? For less dollars per hour. So this savior idea of $15 an hour, even in Seattle, where everybody was drumming for it, did not have the positive results that they thought it would have. Time and time again. Uh, there's even a 2016 Heritage Foundation analysis found that a national $15 minimum wage would lose the country 7 million jobs. All right, that's, I think that's a bipartisan organization too. Every report, even the, the, the GBO, the uh, CBO, whatever it was, the commercial business, I don't know, there's a government organization committee, whatever, that says that even on a conservative estimate, that's, that would cost 1.2 million jobs. Listen, a cut job does not mean less hours. A cut job means no job, all right? So if you are a shoe store owner in a small Midwestern town and you have three employees, 
and suddenly these lovely wonderful employees that you have suddenly you'd be breaking the law if you didn't double their pay double their pay and so what do you think is going to happen I tell you what's going to happen I'm firing an employee I'm personally going to work more hours in my store and I'm going to reduce the hours of those two employees because in a small town there's no way that I can afford to raise my prices because Amazon.com is breathing down my neck. That is what a $15 national minimum wage will do. And here's the problem. Here's the real problem is that those folks in California and Seattle and New York and Chicago and everywhere else, all they think about is what they see in front of them. All they think about is what's good for them. They are incredibly selfish because they fail to appreciate what goes on across 98% of the rest of this country. Again, it's going to force automation. Think about the last time you went to Walmart. You remember those self-checkout kiosks? Five, six, seven, eight employees normally working a checkout lane down to one because they recognize that they don't need employees to check people out anymore. Oh, that self-checkout? The freaking uh, curbside pickup where they do the shoppers for you? That's right. They don't even need people to work a lot of the store. You just pull up and boom, there it is. Pretty soon, we're going to be out of workers altogether. Listen, my friends. Those people that are advocating for the low-income workers are literally screwing those people out of jobs. Because those low-level skill jobs are being taken away on a mass scale. And whoever is left will be more valuable than the ones that are cut. And if you think that anybody's going to skate by with no skills, no value, those opportunities are becoming less and less. And the more arguments you have for $15 an hour federal minimum wage forces the hand of employers who are normally probably very compassionate into automation, into personnel reductions, into overall different models of business. Not everybody can work for UPS and FedEx. If you think everything's going to go to automation and, and Amazon, you're probably right. Or pretty soon we're just not even going to be able to shop in a store anymore. We're just going to pull up and five or six people are going to bring us our stuff and they're going to run that whole damn store. And so imagine a workforce of 100 people that normally work aisles and work the greeting and work the shelves and all that stuff. Gone for automation. So the five or six people left, oh, they're getting their $15 an hour. But what about the 85 others that lost their job because of automation? You guys... If anybody is supporting this out there, you've got to pull the wool off of your eyes because you are costing people jobs. You are costing people money. Here's an example. Here's what it's going to go to. Do you know how many people work in an Aldi store? When I was getting my uh, marketing degree, I had to do a case study on Aldi. And it's a, it's a German company. It's very, you know, systematic, I don't know, system-oriented. I don't I'm Listen, I great education, can you tell? And anyway... 
I think it's like five people work that entire store at any one time. Five people. And if you go into Aldi, you know they're not really known for their customer service. They're known for their cheap prices. And here's what they do. They may have like a, a working manager in the store. They have two or three checkers and like one or two people doing stocking. That's it. And I mean, it is a buzz of activity. And that's all they need to run that store. And they are running people through there. They don't dress it up. They don't even bag your groceries for you. It's like you get your shit. You get your check out and you get the hell out and you even take your quarter with the shopping cart if that's if that's what you value you go down from 100 people down to five and these automated little machines that's what we're going to that's what we're going to they're they're not thinking about what the costs are all right now finally you say gary you sure know how to tear down an idea let me tell you what would work let me tell you what would work we need to abolish the federal minimum wage. Oh my God, get rid of something in the government. Yes, people, you'll be okay. Abolish the federal minimum wage. Let the states set their own minimum wages based on a recognized and approved cost index for that state and then simply increase it every year based on the amount of inflation because inflation means your profits go up a little bit your costs go up a little bit right that's what inflation is and it'll be one two three percent a year not doubling it in five years all right democrats you 15 dollars an hour people pull your head out of your butt and be practical you're hurting people with your proposal there's a better way to do it abolish the federal minimum wage let the states control it at the state level and then slowly increment it up percentages based on inflation that is the proper way to take care of minimum wage in this country. Listen, my friends, I hope you agree with this. And if you're listening this far, I applaud you. What I need you to do now, share this podcast. Share this with everybody, high and low, left and right, far and wide, on every single social media channel that you have so that we can stop this nonsense, we can keep people with jobs, and we can gradually increase this thing and do it the right way. Don't cost people your jobs with these absurd proposals of doubling labor costs in less than five years. My friends, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Gary Roth, Blue Collar Consulting Group. I really hope you'll tune in on the next one. I love you guys very much. Please tell somebody you love them. Hit that share button and let's make a good change. See you later.